Well, it's good to be in the Lord's house. If you have your Bible and you've not done so already, grab it and turn with me to Galatians chapter 5. We're continuing our study of the book of Galatians, and uh, we've come to the second uh, half, really. We, we talked about uh, the first part of uh, Galatians chapter 5 last week, and Lord willing, we'll get through the last part of this chapter this morning. And if you'll draw your attention with me, we're going to begin reading uh, what God's Word has to say here, beginning in verse number 16. And through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, Paul writes, This I say then, walk in the Spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusteth against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh, and these are contrary the one to the other, so that you cannot do the things that you would. But if you be led of the Spirit, ye are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these, adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envyings, murders, drunkenness, revelings, and such like of which I tell you before, and as I have also told you in time past, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love and joy and peace, long-suffering gentleness, goodness and faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. And they that are Christ have crucified the flesh with the affections and lusts. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Let us not be desirous of vain glory. Provoking one another, envying one another. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we thank you for what we've already seen and heard and the opportunity that we had to sing and lift our voices of praise to you this morning. God, I thank you for opening up the opportunity for us to gather and to look at your word again. And Father, we thank you for those that have assembled here at your house and Certainly we miss those and are thinking and praying for those that are sick and away and those that are in the midst of recovery from surgeries and those that really, quite frankly, are still needing healing in their life. God, we lift them up before your throne of grace and mercy this morning. Father, we thank you for our guests who have come seeking the opportunity to worship you in spirit and truth. God, I pray that they'll be blessed by being in your house. Father, we thank you for our missionary guests who, God, their work and desire has been single-minded, single-focused, and that's to share the love and the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ with everyone that they meet, not only those in Clover, South Carolina, but those who are starving for the gospel in Haiti. God, I pray that you'll bless them and use them according to your divine will and plan for their life. God, I pray this morning as we look at this passage of text that as Paul prayed to those saints at Ephesus, God, that you would open up the eyes of our understanding. God, that your word might fall upon the good soil of our hearts. And God, that we may be able to walk away from this place understanding really what it means to walk in the Spirit. And God, to live our lives in a way that brings you honor and glory. Lord, we pray that if there's somebody here or somebody listening that does not know Jesus Christ as their Lord or Savior this morning, God, I pray that you would work a work in their heart. 
that they would realize their need and that they would trust Jesus to forgive them of their sin, but also that they might ask the Lord of this life to come in and to begin to lead God and direct them. Lord, we thank you for the opportunity that you've given us. God, I pray that we'll make use of it as you see fit. And now, Lord, I pray that the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart would be acceptable in your sight because you are my strength and you are my redeemer. Lord, I pray this in all things in the precious name of Jesus. And for his sake, we all pray. Amen. Last week, I was sharing with you uh, about our freedom from the law. And we were in the first part of uh, chapter 5, and I was talking to you about the fact that as Christ followers, you and I, we have been set free. And we've been talking about this from Galatians 1 all the way through. Paul is, is uh, remember, he's fighting these, these uh, restrictions and requirements that these Judaizers had come into the church at Galatia. And last week, we actually kind of learned that there was probably one ringleader uh, so to speak, that had kind of gotten everybody focused on circumcision. They had gotten people focused on the regulations and rituals and requirements of the law. But I shared with you last week that we've been set free from regulation. We've been set free from ritual. We've been set free from what many people would say so-called religion. We've been set free because Jesus Christ came to die so that we wouldn't just have religion, but that we would have a relationship with him. We've been set free from the curse of sin. We've been set free from sin's dominion over our lives. And as I have stated last week, I said we've been set free from all of these things in order that you and I might live exactly, watch this, exactly how we were created to live in Jesus Christ alone. We've been created and set free to live in Him alone. And I was pointing out some facts from our text last week about the fact that Jesus' law is love. And, and we were talking about the fact that if His law is love, then that law should be governing everything that we think, everything that we say, and everything that we do. I think about it, think about the moment we repent of our sin... We believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. We receive him as Lord and Savior of our life. And in that moment, God accepts us. But he not only accepts us, he justifies us. He actually declares you and I righteous, even though the Bible says that our righteousness is like filthy rags. He declares you and I righteous. That's pretty cool. Thank you for those that believe that that's pretty cool. You see, the reality is he did this not because you deserve it. Not because I deserve it, not because there's anything that you and I could ever do. There's no way that you and I could ever work our way to heaven. But sadly, there's a lot of people who try. And that's why it's so important that we understand what Paul is saying and what he's not saying. Uh, because if we're not careful, we get off track. And so the reality is that God accepts us and justifies us because you and I have recognized and loved his son. We, actually, we actually, uh, actually have shown our love for Jesus in that the moment we place our faith in him, God looks at that and says, wow, you honored me by honoring my son. And because you honor my son, I'm going to honor you. I'm going to actually declare that you are now righteous. How amazing is that? And so God willingly honors and loves anyone who believes on his son, Jesus Christ. Now look with me last week. We were reminded that Jesus has set us free. Look at verse number 1 of chapter 5. Paul said, Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty wherewith Christ hath made you free. 
Stand fast therefore. Remember last week we talked about what's it there for. Well, because we've been adopted as sons in chapter uh, 4. Also because we're children of the free, not children of a bondwoman. Paul says, hey, stand fast. He says, stand fast. Why would you want to go back under the yoke of bondage, which is the law. Remember we talked about the law being our schoolmaster. Why would you want to go back and live under the law when you've been set free? Look down further. Paul, last week we looked at verse 13. And in verse number 13, Paul goes on to tell us not to use this new liberty that we have in Christ for an occasion to the flesh, now that's important for today, but by love to serve one another. And then in verse number 14, he goes on and says that all the law is fulfilled in one word, even this, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Now, as we move forward in our text from verse number 16 and following this morning, before we do that, I want you to go all the way back and look at verse number 5. Because verse number 5 actually gives us some, some, some profitable keys to what we're going to see here in our text. Look at verse 5 and 6. Paul writes, For we through the what? In verse number 16, he says, Walk in the Spirit. Here in verse number 5, he says, For we through the Spirit wait for the hope of of righteousness. How do we wait for the hope of righteousness? What does Paul say? For by grace are you saved through what? Faith. It is not of yourselves. It's a gift of God. Not of yourselves, lest any man should boast. And so Paul, remember guys, Scripture confirms Scripture. It is consistent the message is consistent all the way through. It doesn't matter whether I'm reading from Ephesians. doesn't matter whether I'm reading this letter to Galatia. doesn't matter whether I'm looking at Colossians. It's going to confirm one another, these passages. And so notice again, it says, For we through the Spirit wait for the hope of righteousness by faith. Look at verse 6. For in Jesus Christ neither circumcision availeth anything nor uncircumcision, but faith which worketh by love. And last week as I was wrapping up, if you were here or you listened online, you'll know that I said that our faith is genuine. If our faith is genuine, excuse me, if you say, well, I have faith in Jesus Christ. Folks, if your faith is genuine, if my faith is genuine, it's going to be seen in how we love God. Hello. It's going to be seen in how you love God. It's like, well, I love Jesus. What? Really? Let me see how you love Jesus. There's going to be an evidence of that, right? It's going to be seen in how we love God. It's going to be seen in how we love people. Uh-oh. Well, brother, that's just too much. You're asking too much. Remember we did the little thing last week where I said, look to your left, look to your right. Yeah, you're supposed to love that person. And the problem is sometimes we look to our left and our right and we say, I don't like that person. Well, that's a problem because we are to love people. And so if faith is genuine, it's going to be seen in how we love God. It's going to be seen in how we love people. And it's actually going to be seen in how we live our lives. Because here's the conundrum. When the Son of God and the Holy Spirit of God take up residency in my heart and in my life, things change. Did you get that? If Jesus is taking up residency in your life, it doesn't matter whether you're 17, 27, or 77, and much to our shame, those of us who have been saved for a long time, I say that word saved with air quotes around it, we say, well, I'm a child of the king. Is it evidenced in our life? 
This is what Paul's talking about. He says, listen, you guys are going to need to walk in the Spirit if you're not going to fulfill the lust of the flesh. And so uh, the reality is things begin to change. When Jesus comes in and the Holy Spirit takes up residence, there's no way that things are not going to change. When you think about it, God in His love, He sends Jesus down. Galatians 4.4, in the fullness of time, God sent His Son, born of a virgin. Right, And so God's love comes down to man. We, by faith, trust God's gift of forgiveness and salvation through Jesus Christ our Lord. And then the Holy Spirit comes up and and takes up residency in our life. And here's the result. The result, Paul says, is you're no longer under the law, but here's the conundrum. You're under Jesus. Think about this. You're under Jesus and His law is love. And so if now you're no longer under the law, but you're under the new law of Jesus, you say, man, I knew it. I knew you were fooling me last week. I only got out of bondage to be placed in another bondage. That's why I don't want Jesus. No, you've been set free to experience the joy and the peace. Oh, and on and on of Jesus Christ in your life. Oh, listen, 2 Corinthians 5, 17 is still the, the same today as it was yesterday. Listen, if, therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. I like Colossians chapter 3. The whole, I, I, in fact, I love all of Colossians, but in chapter 3 and verse number 10, the Bible talks about the reality of putting on the new man, which is renewed in knowledge after the image of him that created him. In other words, our new nature receives and is renewed by the knowledge of God, for one reason. Think about it. Our new nature receives and is renewed by the knowledge of God for one purpose. So that you and I actually resemble God. That's exactly why we are given this knowledge. I think about in 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse number 19. The Bible indicates that you and I as Christ followers that our bodies... Right, Our bodies have become the temple of the Holy Ghost. And notice it says in verse number 19, it says that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is where? Say that again, it's where? Say it's in me. It's in me. Say it's in me, it'll be good for you. Oh, don't ask me to say it's in me, I'm not a child. I'm not so sure many times. We act like children sometimes, don't we? We do. We act like children. I want what I want. I want. I don't care what he's saying to me. I want it. The Holy Ghost is in us. He's taken up residency in our lives. Oh, my friends, how you and I live is incredibly important. And it's not something that you and I can produce on our own. Has anybody ever tried to walk in the Spirit on their own? Like, I'm just going to, you know, I see the fruit of the Spirit, so I'm going to wake up this morning. I'm going to be more loving. And by lunchtime... You are an angry person. I'm going to wake up. I'm going to wake up. Oh, man, I'm just God. God, just give me peace that passes all understanding. I'm going to be so peaceful today. And by the time you go to bed, you're ripping your hair out. You're like, oh, guys, you and I cannot create. You and I cannot manufacture. You and I cannot do anything on our own. Jesus Christ said, I am the vine. You are the branches. Without me, you can do nothing. Oh, listen, it's so incredibly important how we live our lives, which is why Paul takes time to address the issue. Look with me again in verse number 16. 
there of Galatians chapter 5 because here's the thing. God is not going to have anything to do with sin. Think about that. God is not going to have anything to do with sin because it's not in his nature. Right? And so we look at what Paul says here. He says, this I say then. Well, why does he say it? He goes on, remember verse number 15 said, but if you bite and devour one another, take heed that you be not consumed one of another. Verse number 16, he says, this I say then, walk in the spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusteth against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh, and these are contrary the one to the other, so that you cannot do the things that you would. But if you be led of the spirit, you're not under the law. Now look at verse number 16, because the word in in verse number 16, means to be living moment by moment, day by day, trusting God rather than trusting self. How many of us wake up every morning and say, I'm just going to trust Jesus today? Thank you, four of you. Sometimes we may think that, but by the time we get on I-66, we're trusting in our own self. We're like, I know a shortcut. I met with the architects the other day and he was telling me about one of the gentlemen that works there with his office and he said that he was so frustrated and so angry when he got to work because he lives out here in Prince William County and their office is in Oakton up there off of the Vienna exit and he said it took him almost three hours to get there and by the time he got there he said he was a nervous wreck and he said really it took him a couple of hours just to calm down from his anger at traffic. Guys, you and I have to make a conscious decision each and every day to allow God to have the leadership of our life. We can wake up and we can say, nope, not today, Lord, I'm going to take control. I've got the wheel today, Jesus, you get in the back seat. Has anybody ever done that and it worked out for you? No, it never works out. Listen, walking in the Spirit means that you and I will be living under the Spirit's direction and control. Therefore, the Holy Spirit's desire actually becomes our desire, right? What the Holy Spirit desires will become our desire. The idea of walking, look at verse number 16 again. He says, this I say, walk in the Spirit. This idea of walking is a spiritual metaphor that not only denotes living. Some of your Bible versions may say, this I say, live in the Spirit. It's the idea, it denotes living, it, 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 it talks about progress as well. And so the desire and strength we need to live in the Spirit and not to fulfill the lust of the flesh can only come from the person and the power of the Holy Spirit. You can't do it on your own and neither can I. You can try, but the arm of the flesh will fail you each and every time, which is why Paul, when he gets to verse number 19, he starts to talk about works of the flesh and what they reap. Zechariah 4, 6, the Bible says, not by, my, not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord of hosts. Folks, holiness is not the weight of Christ. Christ is the way to holiness. Think about that. Holiness is not the way to Christ. Uh, we can say to ourselves all we want, I'm going to be holy today. That's not the way to Christ. Christ is what brings out holiness in our life. When we live under his leadership, in Romans chapter 8, look at this verse in Romans chapter 8 and verse number 6. The Bible says to be carnally minded is death. That phrase there, to be carnally minded, literally means to mind the things of the flesh. To be concerned with what the flesh wants to be concerned with, the Bible says it leads to death. 
But notice what it goes on and says. It says, but to be spiritually minded is life in peace. In John chapter 14, flip over to John chapter 14. I want you to see these three verses. They're right together. And you may never have looked at them quite like this, but I want you to look at John chapter 14. And then in verse number uh, 15. John chapter 14. And look at verse number 15. The Bible says this. It says, if you love me, this is Jesus speaking. He says, if you love me, keep my commandments. Now, it's an imperative, so that means it's not a suggestion. Don't you just love imperatives in Scripture? It's like, I don't like that. What do you mean imperative? Well, if it's in the imperative tense, it means it's a command, not a suggestion. It's like uh, when I was a kid and my granddaddy told me not to let my mouth overload my britches. That was not a suggestion. That was a command. And my granddaddy had a way of making me see things his way. Right? Jesus says here, if you love me, keep my commandments. But what I want you to notice is like, yeah, yeah, yeah. We've heard that before. Notice what he says in verse 16. Verse 16, and I will pray the Father... And he shall give you another comforter that he may abide with you forever. So in verse 15 he says, if you love me, keep my commandments. But Jesus knows that you and I cannot keep his commandments on our own. So guess what he does? He says, I'm going to pray to the Father and I'm going to ask the Father to give you another comforter. See, because I've got to go off the scene. I'm going to give my life for the sins of the world. I'm going to die on a cross and I'm going to go to heaven and I'm going to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I'm going to come in again and receive you unto myself that where I am there you may be also. He's saying all this to his disciples and he says, guess what? If you love me, obey my commands. And then he says, ah, but I know you guys will struggle obeying my commands. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to pray and ask the Father. Oh, he knew what God was going to do. He says, I'm going to pray and ask him to give you another comforter that you may abide forever. And then look at verse number 17. In verse number 17, he actually identifies the comforter that he's going to give to you and me. In verse number 17, he says it this way. He says, even the spirit of truth. He's talking about the Holy Spirit of God, which will guide you and I into all spiritual truths so that you and I are able to obey his commands because he knows that without the spirit of truth, without him ruling and reigning in our life, as we were talking about in Sunday school, you and I will not be able to obey his commands. Notice he says, even the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him, but you know him. He says, you know him, for he dwelleth with you and shall be where? In you. Oh yes, the Holy Spirit has taken up residency in our lives. And here's the point, guys. Even as the song talked about, every one of us, Jesus knew that we would all face battles. Anybody in the midst of a battle right now? Nobody's going through anything. Well, then God is so good that nobody's going through anything right now. I got some bad news for you. Whether you're being honest with yourself or, or just didn't want to raise your hand or whatever, didn't want to acknowledge that you're in the midst of a battle, you better suit up. Better suit up. Because if everything's flying high right now, you're up on top of the mountain, it's not going to be very long before you're down in the midst of the valley of the shadow of death. 
But the good news is, Scripture says, Jesus says, I will never leave you neither for, nor forsake you. Because he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's not going anywhere. So, so you may be saying, well, I'm not, I, there's no battles going on. No battles in the home. Hmm. No battles in the workplace. No physical battles. No spiritual battles. No emotional battles. No mental battles going on. That's hard for me to believe in a room with this many people. But here's what I do know, is that Jesus knew that we would all face battles. But praise God. Praise God. He says, I'm going to pray the Father that he'll send you a comforter. Amen. I'm going to have the Father's going to send somebody to be with you and to guide you. And he's going to be the spirit of truth. Romans chapter 6 and verse number 12, the Bible says, Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body that you should obey it in the lust thereof. Neither yield your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness to God. For sin, notice what he says, for sin shall not have dominion over you, for you are not under the law, but you're under grace. So here's a really cool thing. A lot of people love to say, I'm under grace, brother. Don't ask me to tithe. Don't ask me to get involved with anything. I'm under grace. I don't have to do anything. Well, guess what? You err not knowing the scripture, right? Say, I'm under grace. I don't have to do anything. Well, here's what Romans 8, 2 says. Romans 8, 2 says that the law of the spirit of life in Jesus Christ hath made me free from the law in sin and death. Honestly, the flesh and the spirit are going to do this all the time. And that hurts my knuckles, so I won't do it a long time, right? In fact, I heard one theologian put it like this. Uh, I can't remember if it was Warren Wearsby or, or, or who said that the flesh and the spirit are like they're in this tug-of-war match. They're always pulling back for one another for dominion in our lives. And so that's why it's so incredibly important that you and I understand that we cannot serve two masters. I don't want to take Matthew chapter 6 out of context. I know it's dealing with, we're talking about money and, and, and uh, God and mammon and, and things like that. But the principle is there. I can't say that I serve the spirit of God and then in the same breath say, but I'm all consumed with my flesh. I love Jesus, but today Jesus is in the back seat, and so I'm going to put blinders on Jesus so he doesn't see what I'm thinking, so that Jesus doesn't hear what I'm saying, and so that he doesn't see what I'm doing. That doesn't, that doesn't mesh. And this is what Paul's saying. He's saying it's inconsistent, you see. But when the Spirit's desire is our desire, what he's saying, look back at Galatians 5. He says, this I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. You see, Jesus has called us into a love relationship. How many say they like love relationships more than hate relationships? Some of you won't even raise your hand for that. I like being hateful. I like it. And you're not going to get me to say it otherwise. Listen, the real reality is that Jesus has called us into a love relationship. And for you rough and tough guys that like to wear your overalls and you're like, I don't like love. I like being a man. I'm a man and I don't love like that. Well, you got a problem, sir. Because without the love of Jesus reigning and ruling in your life, uh, the alternative is not good. Let's just put it that way. He's called us in this love relationship from God to us. It was God, here in his love, not that we loved God, but that he first loved us. 
The love relationship started with God, not you and not me. It comes from God to us, from us back to God, and then from us to others. By love, serve one another is what Paul said in verse number 13. But look at verse number 18 here. And this is going to throw you off for a loop because in verse number 18, also in verse number 25, you can look at both of them when I'm done, but in verse number 18, I want you to see the word if. But if you be led of the Spirit, the word if actually means since. It means since. So Paul is saying, hey believers, since you are led of the Spirit, now think about this, since Jesus is in your heart, since the Holy Spirit has taken up residency in your life, since the Holy Spirit is going to be the one to lead you, you are not under the law. Listen, Paul understood that you and I cannot love or serve one another biblically or correctly when the Holy Spirit does not do the leading. When you try to love somebody else, you're going to love them according to the world's standard of love, not the Bible's standard of love. And they're very, very different. Right? The world's standard of love is all about what I can get. God's standard of love is all what he could give. That's, that's what Paul is saying. He's saying, listen, you've been set free to live how you were created to live. You've been set free to love others as yourself. Man, no man yet ever hated his own flesh. He writes in Ephesians 5, no man ever yet hated his own flesh, but he nourishes his flesh. He cherishes his flesh. He said, that's the same type of love that you should be showing to other people. In Philippians 2, verse number 13 Paul, writing to the church at Philippi, says, For it is God which worketh in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. The reality is that God does his part, but you and I are to do our part. A few years ago, I shared what Dr. Charles Stanley said concerning this idea of living a life that's guided and led by the Holy Spirit. And I want to read it to you again today because not all of you were here three years ago. And so I want to read it to you again and he stated these words. He said, God wants every believer to be filled with the Spirit. But many Christians are not sure what this means or what it even looks like. To help us to understand that principle, that whatever fills us controls us, the Apostle Paul actually cites drunkenness to the church of Ephesus as a negative example of filling, and he tells us in Ephesians 5, 18 and following to avoid it. Every believer is indwelt by God's Spirit, but the extent of his rule is determined by the Christian's freedom to comply. Think of it this as a voluntary choice to surrender your life to the Holy Spirit's control. In other words, to be sensitive to his leadership and guidance, obedient to his promptings, and be dependent upon his strength. The evidence of the Spirit's control is revealed in a person's character. Those who have yielded their lives to Christ's leadership are continually being transformed into his likeness. The degree of a person's surrender determines the level of transformation. He went on to say these words. He said, even though good works and faithful servants, uh, service are a result of being filled with the Spirit, watch this, they are not necessarily signs of it. Remember, we talk about character, not what we do. 
It's easier to serve the Lord in some manner than it is to love the unlovable. Or to be patient. Or to be kind with difficult people and even hateful people. But when the Holy Spirit is in charge of our lives, He does through us what we cannot do for ourselves. And in the end, each believer decides who will rule his or her life, either by actively surrendering to Jesus Christ or by deliberately going their own way. Even those who try to avoid the issue by saying, I'm not going to make any choice at all, unknowingly opt for self-rule, which leads to fulfilling the desires of the flesh. The fullness of the Holy Spirit and godly character await those who make a choice to choose God over self. Oh, listen, when the Holy Spirit's desires become our desires, right? When His desire becomes my desire, there's no way that I'm going to fulfill the lust of the flesh. Oh, because I'll be walking and living and celebrating life in the Spirit of God. In verse number 19 and following, Paul gives us a comprehensive list of things that the flesh seeks. And his list includes sensual sins, religious sins, sins, social sins, and personal sins. But I want you to notice verse number 21, really. Look at verse 21. I'll not go through the whole list again because we've already read it. But in verse number 21, notice he says, And they... That, and that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Honestly, folks, sin is sin. Let that sit for a second. Sin is sin. We like to sometimes read a passage of scripture like this and say, well, I didn't commit murder, really. I won't go into the details of that. Looking on somebody and talk about, I didn't commit adultery. I didn't commit fornicate. I, didn't, I, I wasn't living a lascivious lifestyle. I wasn't... I wasn't drunkenness. And, and, and so what we do is we look at the list and we go, oh, praise the Lord. Check, 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 check. I can go to heaven. That's what we tend to do sometimes. We look at a passage like this and we say, hey, I can go to heaven. But honestly, folks, sin is sin. If you're thinking something bad about your neighbor, that's sinful. If your thoughts, words, and actions are not those that become Jesus and those that bring him honor and glory, that's, that's a problem. And so the reality is that we're the ones who like to design and, and assign different levels of punishment to sin, right? We're like, well, this sin's worse than this sin. No, all sin is sin. But here's the thing. I think the reality that we need to catch in this verse here is the fact that doing these things or any sinful deeds for that matter, Paul says, it would be inconsistent. See, the reason you're not going to inherit the kingdom of God is because if you have Jesus Christ living on the inside and the Spirit of God is indwelling you, that list of sins that I just shared with you is inconsistent with somebody who is walking in the Spirit. They don't match. How could you say that you have Christ dwelling and living and the Holy Spirit guiding and leading you and then be involved in all of these other things? And so that's the impetus here. Listen, the, the bottom line is there's going to be evidence of the Holy Spirit's presence in our lives. Look at verse 22 and 23. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. Notice verse 22. We got fruit is a singular fruit. The Spirit is singular fruit. But when he talked in verse number 19, he said, Now 
these are the works of the flesh. There are many works in verse number 19. Oh, the Holy Spirit produces the fruit, not us. It's not my fruit as if I'm some kind of a gardener out in the midst of the gardener. Let me cultivate some love today. Let me cultivate some joy and peace and long-suffering. Listen, I, I encourage you, be careful about praying for long-suffering because you'll get tested every time you turn around. Right? Oh, I'm thankful God is long-suffering. The Holy Spirit's fruit in our life is a fruit of the Spirit, not us. It's not something that you and I can just uh, wake up one day and decide that we're going to produce in our lives. In Luke chapter 6, I like what Jesus said in Luke chapter 6 and verse 43 and 44. He said, for a good tree bringeth uh, not forth corrupt fruit. Neither doth a corrupt tree bringeth forth good fruit, for every tree is known by his own fruit. And so the question becomes, what type of fruit is our life producing? When people look at me, are they seeing the fruit of the Spirit or are they seeing works of the flesh? By the way, that was not an exhaustive list in verse number 19 and 21, right? Works of the flesh are going to be seen in all types of things in our life. But I can tell you the result of a work of the flesh is nothing more than sin. It's always going to be sin. The reality is that when we live in the Spirit, Christ is going to be glorified. The fruit of the Spirit is going to be evidence. We are going to be living a victorious life. And God is going to be using us to reach other people. Do you know I was listening to David Jeremiah this morning? You say, you listen to other preachers? Absolutely. I get up, I want to be preached to too. I listened to Charles Stanley and then I listened to David Jeremiah this morning. And David Jeremiah was talking about, oh, what a shame it would be that if you and I didn't reach the people that God intended us to reach. And he's talking about, and he was talking about the idea of living out our life of faith. But I love what he said. He said, it's not enough just to live like you're following Jesus. You must at some point communicate the words of Jesus to somebody. Listen, and if we don't, the people that God intended for you to reach, you specifically, will never be reached. He said, let that sit for a minute. Every one of us, God has a plan for every one of us to reach people with the love and the truth of the gospel. Oh, listen, what, what type of fruit is my life producing? Look at verse 24 and following as I close. I want to close literally. Notice the secret of walking in the Spirit in verse 24. And they that are Christ's have crucified the flesh with its affections and lusts. Look at verse 25. Again, there's that word if. So supply the word since. Since we live or have been made alive in the Spirit is what Paul is saying. Let us also walk in the Spirit. Let us not be desirous of vain glory, provoking one another or envying one another. The reality is that as Christ followers, as Christians, the flesh, with all its hurts, the flesh with all its habits, the flesh with all its hang-ups, right? As Christians, listen, the flesh with all these things at salvation has been put to death. Has been put to death in Luke 9, 23 and Jesus said to them all, if any man will come after him, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. 
Every day, you and I will have to make a choice. Paul says, if you then walk in the Spirit, you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. The reality is tomorrow morning, you're going to wake up. Lord willing. <laughs> Lord willing, yeah. <laughs> Some eyes raised, what? I may not wake up. You may not have this afternoon. You have a choice right now. It says, Lord, let me live for you. I'm tired of living for myself. I'm tired of, of manifesting all these works of the flesh in my life. I want to live for you. I want to walk in the Spirit. I want to live in this, under the Spirit's control for my life, right? You know how Paul said it? Paul said it in Galatians chapter 2 and verse number 20. Notice what he says. In the scripture he says, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ. He says, but Christ liveth within me, and the life which I now live, I live in the flesh. I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Have you been crucified with Christ? Oh, listen, Galatians 2, Paul said two verses earlier, he says, For if I build again the things which I destroyed, I make myself a transgressor. Philippians 1.21, he said, For me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Paul is saying in verse 25, Since you and I have been made alive in the Spirit of God, let's keep walking in the Spirit. And I think it's interesting. Do you know last week we ended in verse number 15? And verse number 15 says, But if you bite and devour one another, take heed that you be not consumed one another. The idea of animals literally going after one another. And notice how he finishes chapter 5. It's almost a negative on chapter 5 again. Notice he says here at the end, he says, Let us not be desirous of vain glory, provoking one another or envying one another. Here's what he's saying. He's saying there's a real danger in the church of some people getting to the point spiritually. Well, I'm better than you, brother. I don't do those things. Uh, look at me. <coughs> I've been... I've been, <laughs> I've been serving uh, in this Sunday school class for 30 years, brother. You might want to get a job for Jesus. Now, I'm being facetious to exercise a point. If we're not careful, we let our little spiritual halo get on a little too tight, as Pastor Skinner used to say. And when our spiritual halo gets on a little too tight, we think that we're something that we're not. Paul says, you better be careful of this. He says, you better be careful of this. But he also says, also in verse 26, he talks about provoking. He says, be not desirous of vainglory, provoking one another, envying one another. The only type of provoking that ought to be going on in the house of God is what we find in Hebrews chapter 10, in verse number 24, where it talks about provoking one another unto love and to good works. If you have a propensity to provoke somebody in a way that is not towards love and good works, you might want to check it out. If you have a problem with envying others, well, I like what they have. They're so gifted. I wish I had their gifts. Be careful of wishing to have somebody else's gifts. Right? God has specifically given each and every one of us a job to do. That's why it's amazing when we come around and we see people serving as Awana counselors, serving as Awana leaders, it's amazing when I see people who are willing to change a baby's diaper for Jesus. Well, couldn't they get a better job? That's the greatest job you could have in the church. You say, well, I thought being pastor's grace. That's not the greatest job in the church. 
The greatest job is being willing to serve someone else so that someone else can worship God. That's amazing. It's amazing to me that there aren't more people running to the nursery to sign up. I don't want to change a diaper for Jesus. I don't want my kid to be in the nursery. I guarantee you one thing. Nursery never hurt my boys one bit. In fact, I remember, I remember a time Krista and I got so religious about putting our kids in the nursery, by the time we picked them up, they were crying because they didn't want to come with us. Oh, listen, there's something that we can all do. But we have to be careful of this vain glory and provoking one another and envying one another. Paul says, walk in the Spirit. And I encourage you, I challenge you today, walk in the Spirit. And you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Oh, it's inconsistent. It's inconsistent to think that if I'm walking in the Spirit that I would do such a thing. And by God's power, we can walk in the Spirit. Father, I pray that you'll take your words. God, that you will seal them in our hearts this morning. God, that as we go away from your house, God, that we would be men and women and young people that desire to walk in the Spirit. God, that, our, that your desire would become our desires, that your leadership would be that which we seek to follow, and that God truly, that there would be evidence in our lives that our desire is consistent with your desire. And God, help us not to try and do this as a work of the flesh, because that won't work. God, we know that we can do nothing without you. And so, Lord, I pray that as we give ourselves wholly and completely to you, God, that these, these, these character traits of this fruit that has is, that is become a part of our lives, God, would become real, not only to us, but to those that are around us. God, help us to bring you glory. God, I pray that if there's someone who doesn't, doesn't understand this walk of faith, doesn't understand that this idea of living in the Spirit and understanding it all, God, I pray that they would understand this. I pray that they would understand that God loves them and that God loved them so much that He gave us His only begotten Son. God, that Jesus went to that cross and He died for our sins. God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. What an amazing opportunity to trust Jesus as the Savior of our lives. God, I pray that if there's someone in this room or listening that has never done that, that they would do that. They would do it right now. They would call out upon the name of the Lord. They would ask Jesus to forgive them. They would ask the Lord to come into their life and to begin to change them from the inside out. God, I pray that you'll have your will and your way in this time of invitation. As, as we sing a song of invitation, God, I pray that it will be pleasing to you. But God, beyond the words of the song, I pray that the desires of our heart would be that which brings you honor and glory. God, we love you and we thank you. And we look forward to the days ahead and how we'll be able to see our church family. How we'll be able to see one another walking in the Spirit. And God, that the works of the flesh would not be manifest in our presence. But God, the fruit of the Spirit would be evident. God, we love you and we thank you and we praise you. In the precious name of Jesus and for his sake, amen. Thank you so much for listening. 
If you'd like more information about our ministry, check out our website at battlefieldbaptist.org or follow us on Facebook and Instagram. We'll see you next time.